Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. How are y'all doing? I'm, of course, your host, Marcus Nez. If you are watching the video version, you might notice a little change in the layout setup of the video. It is now a bare bones frontal full frame widescreen whatever straight on webcam of me the mic may obstruct my face more times this is just the way it's gonna be I don't have a fancy schmancy setup I could move this thing around to fix that I'm not going to and who knows if I'll even keep this this is uncomfortable for me, kind of, because of the old body dysmorphia. That's why I'm wearing this beanie, because from face on, directly on, head on, applied directly to the forehead, I feel very, very uncomfortable with my appearance, body dysmorphia. It's a lovely thing. It's a lovely, lovely thing. But I thought this might be a way to get a bit more personal with you. <laughs> I know you really want that. But it's just a, a way of changing up things in 2024, trying some new things. So, here I am looking at you, I think, because I remember reading somewhere or whatever that, and this may only be with film cameras or certain types of film professional cameras that you're supposed to actually look just above the camera lens but I'm looking dead on in the lens I think I am it's a little hard to see because the face light whatever those stupid things are called is blasting in my face and you'll see the reflection in my glasses that's another thing <laughs> too bad but I am Mark this is the Pixelated Sausage Show, and I'm here to talk about some games. You will see me looking over at my screen every now and again for the games that I'm playing and all that jazz. So, with that, what you can expect on this here episode are the games by the name of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Chipmunk! Exclamation mark. 2D and Top D. That's 2D, T-O-O-D-E-E and Top D, T-O-P-D-E-E. -E. Icarus and the Prince of Sin and Shivering Stone. But before I get to all that, do I have anything else to say, movie-wise? I did just watch the... And I, I'm still humoring the idea of doing a movies-only show, anime-only show, bringing back animes and libaka as a solo show, etc., but we're still working out the kinks and figuring out how everything's going to play out in this new year as I want to try some new things, adjust some other things, etc. So it's all a work in progress and nothing is set in stone. Blah, 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 blah. But I did just watch the new Ninja Turtles movie this morning, in fact. This is me recording on the... 10th? Yeah. Wednesday. And 
I thought it was okay. Looks great. It has a much more kinetic, sketchy aesthetic than Spider-Man, the the across the Spider-Verse or the, the Spider-Verse movies, which it gets compared to a lot, or Puss in Boots, which I still haven't seen the new one, the sequel. And this is, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants Mayhem, I think is the subtitle. But it looks great. One of my concerns with the trailer was that it might be too busy, but that wasn't a problem I found in the final product and in, in the movie as a whole. What I did find a problem, however, was the writing. I think if I were a kid, preteen, young teen, I would absolutely love this movie. It is very, very geared towards that TikTok generation and just the younger crowd in general. Does that mean it's bad for adults? No, it falls in line with the Sonic movies, which I look at as more so kids movies than family movies. And I would say the same about this. So this is uh, probably, maybe, I don't know, because there's some weird adult things in the Sonic movies. So I wouldn't say this is more adult-ish, but the action sequences can get a little bit dark. So the younger, younger kids might get scared by some of the bits. But the voice acting overall is pretty good. I thought Ice Cube made a good Superfly. Jackie Chan was a good Splinter. The kids who were voicing the Turtles did a really good job of inhabiting them and what I like even though it wasn't exactly for me is that you finally have some turtles who feel like teenagers in most iterations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja, teenage mutant ninja Turtles they rarely feel like teenagers I've said this before but at the very very youngest they feel like 19 year olds are barely teenagers but they're technically teenagers so that's why you can still call them teenagers because it sounds good and you're not going to have the young adult ninja mutant turtles but overall I thought it was okay I would put it that said at the bottom of my list in terms of the movie rankings except for maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. It's definitely worse for me than the original movie and Secret of the Ooze. And I prefer the two Michael Bay produced movies. The live action with CGI Turtles. And also TMNT is just fantastic. If you've never seen TMNT, that is probably still my favorite. I haven't watched the original live action movie in a very long time so i can't compare those two but tmnt is very very good and has my favorite sequence in any of them which is the fight between raf and leo in the rain on the rooftop that is a fantastically well choreographed shot rendered scene love it if, you, if you've never seen that movie, you should definitely check out TMNT, which features Chris Evans as 
what is his name? I can't think of his name now. Not Eli. Casey. Casey Jones. And then I believe Sarah Michelle Geller as April O'Neil. But yeah, it, it was okay. It was okay. You know what else is okay? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Except not really. I played this game at launch and did not like it. And I have since returned since they've put out a bunch of DLC. And I want to make sure I get the names of all the DLC characters. Because I believe there's Danny. Then there's... Let's see. We'll go to the Steam page. We've got... Danny, Nancy, and then the Nico Taro Leatherface. I got codes for all the DLC. And my experience returning to the game, having not played it since launch, is that it's still my least favorite of these asymmetrical or themed multiplayer games. My problem with it is something that may be in a lot of these games because I don't play these games typically. I don't play a lot of online only games. I tried a fair amount of Friday the 13th and was surprised by how much I enjoyed that. But for the most part, I don't play these outside of Apex Legends, which I played for a very, very long time. Very, very different type of game being a first-person shooter. One of the biggest problems I have with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that with the skill trees the game has the more you play the better your skills will be by improving the skill tree and the better you will be compared to a new incoming player so it's a very very newcomer unfriendly game where, for instance, with the Nancy character, who I like, of the three additional DSA characters, I liked her the most. Her main special ability, she can place barbed wire around doorways or certain areas that the, the victims can squeeze through, for instance, to inhibit them from going there uh, using that route. But she can also see through the eyes of one of the victims and see where they are. At the very, very lowest level, it's very, very blurry, like you're almost blackout drunk. So it's hard to parse exactly where you are and what is around that character. But as you level it up, and if you get to the level three, of that particular skill, vision will be cleared much greater. You'll have a much clearer vision of what's going around when you use that ability. That means the more you play and the more you level up this character, you'll have a better rep repertoire or it'll, it'll just work better. My, my words are really bad right now. I understand that you have these leveling systems, these skill trees, as a means to keep players invested in the game and keep them coming back so they feel like they're constantly 
striving for something. They have a little piece of flesh at the end of the the chainsaw to feed them. And <laughs> fucking horrible. But it's only going to last so long. And once that's done, then what? I don't envy any studio making games like this because the hardest thing to do is try and keep players invested and coming back for months and months, if not years. I'm not sure how Dead by Daylight does it, if there is a skill thing or if it's purely cosmetic based and all these licenses that they end up partnering, partnering with, which I think is the way to go is do it cosmetic based as much as you can that has a ceiling as well and that is something that you're not inherently going to because the skill tree isn't even something that you can buy skill points for I I don't think god I hope not but also with the the Nicotero Leatherface I haven't been able to play as him because every time I get into a match Leatherface is already chosen that apparently, unless it's been updated, has an accompanying chainsaw that is much quieter. And I've seen negative reviews calling it a pay-to-win skin. And that one is also 15 or $16, whereas the Danny and... What is their name? Not Nancy DLC are both $10. So you're paying a premium for that leather face, which gives you the chainsaw on a, a specific look based off of some makeup artist I guess again I haven't said this this time but the last time I'm not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan I've watched 15 or so minutes of the original movie knew already at that point it wasn't for me and I've never engaged with the series beyond that but I am always open to any game surprising me and delivering a good time Friday the 13th I don't give a shit about that series, but I had a good time with that game. And I think with that one, you could level up and unlock some new abilities that might be better for your playstyle, but aren't inherently better, maybe. But it wasn't as elaborate as this skill tree system that rewards the more you play with improved abilities or improvements to the abilities you already have. The the Danny character on the victim side, his ability is to tamper with traps in a way and to study them, to, to leave them open for longer periods of time. Fine, I guess. But I found Nancy to be the most interesting new character of the, of the three that I enjoyed playing as as much as I could enjoy the game. But it, it's very newcomer unfriendly, I'd say, because I'm basically a newcomer jumping back into the game, having not played it since launch. And while it was fast to find a match, I was matched with nothing but maxed out level players. And in half of the games I played, probably there was at least one drop as well, which I don't know if that was just purely connection-based or people dropping on purpose. 
they were always on my team. I wasn't sure if it's people who saw that I was a newbie and they thought, I don't want to waste my time with this because we're already going to lose because we got this loser on our team. So you might have to worry about that as well. I'd also say with the Nancy character, as much as I enjoy her abilities, I think she's very much so a character who works best if you're on a team that is communicating because her ability to see where teammates are and as you improve her abilities you're able to either see specifically the the victim who's furthest away from you or closest and that ability is made significantly stronger if you're able to communicate with your teammates and tell them the location and not just be yourself going after them but for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still the worst of these types of games i played. And I played, again, Friday the 13th, Some Dead by Daylight. I played, which feels weird to talk about now, but that... It's not Pawn Shop. The Prop Night, Prop Night, I believe it was called, which is the studio that made that game, Day Stood Still thing or whatever, that went under three days later and... They close the studio and it's just a bunch of drama. So maybe we don't want to talk about prop night. But I had fun with it, what I played of it. I've also played stuff like the Ghostbusters game, etc. And this is the one I've enjoyed the least. But that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The DLC is nice, I guess, but it seems like it's really there for people who have already invested a lot of time into the game and want to switch things up with new characters and those people would already have purchased it I would presume so it's it's not something that I think is going to bring on any new players and I really wish like Friday the 13th it had a offline or online even bot mode where you can practice and really try out they have tutorials but I prefer being able to do a bot match where I can test things out and learn things without having to be a burden to my teammates. Again, that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Next up, though, is Chipmunk, which is a classic side-scrolling beat-em-up, very much so inspired by Golden Axe specifically. You have these little fruit flies or whatever that come in that you smack them around and they'll give you either magic drops or health drops very much like the little gnomes in golden axe and even the battle cries and death cries of enemies feel golden axe ish but it's all in the theme of squirrels and animals as you go around fighting as one of three different squirrels a balanced squirrel who's pretty solid in all skills than a big hulking one or a smaller, faster one. It's got great pixel art. I love, love, love the look of it. But the actual gameplay left a lot to be desired. It wasn't super fun to play. One of the things that Golden Axe enemies like to do is come running at you surprising you off screen from off screen to ram into you they do that a lot in this game and I feel like they do it way more than in Golden Axe 
and do it in ways where you can't even really prepare or defend against it. So you're just gonna take that damage every now and again. The very, very base enemies don't offer much of a challenge. It's, it's broken up into four seasons. I believe I didn't finish it the first go. I made it to winter, but each season has is broken up into two specific levels with uh, boss fights to round them out, of course. But it was just a very, very dull, boring experience. The enemies aren't super exciting. You have these moles who are ninja-ish and will throw mushrooms that reverse your controls. I'm trying to remember what the base enemy was that you fight. Because you've got the, the fruit flies who come in that you attack, but what were they weren't other squirrels. It's probably telling that I already forgot so much about the game. Other than remembering, yeah, it looks pretty nice. When you're in the water, you see your reflection. That's cool. The audio. But it, it, it just didn't make much of an impression past that initial, hey, this looks pretty good. And I like beat-em-ups. I'm a big, big fan of beat-em-ups. But this one, this one is one of the weakest and dullest. Yeah. That's Chipmunk. 2D and Top D is an interesting puzzle game where you control two different characters, not at the same time. This is not a schizoid game. Or I guess a more apt comparison would be a brother's, not a brother's, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which is getting a remake. And it's maybe more on people's minds when they think about games like this. Schizoid being the Xbox Live Arcade game that I remember as the first game I played where I controlled both characters on one controller at the same time. It's okay. It's, a, it's an okay game. This, you don't do that. Instead, you just switch between these two characters at complete levels. One of them is played as a traditional 2D side-scrolling platformer, and then the other one is from an isometric camera angle, and more puzzly where you are moving around blocks to either obstruct things that might be in the way of your 2D platforming counterpart, or to create paths for you to reach areas. And the goal of each level is to reach this portal that will take you on to the next level. And this is all wrapped up in a story where some god has created the planets and they revolve around the semicolon. But then his assistant saw that there was only one planet left to fill with life. And once that happened, what would his purpose be? What would their purpose be? Would they even exist anymore or some shit like that? So he taints everything and corrupts these various gods, I think, or, or demigods, kind of, and turns them into corrupt files, essentially. And you have to go and save them all. 
But the 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 isometric puzzle thing, you can you can also use the block. And in some cases, you will have to place the block down to create platforms for the 2D version for 2D the character to jump and reach the, 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 the to reach the portal. And you may only have one block to move, to move, so you will have to place it down, have 2D jump onto it, then jump in midair, and then switch over while 2D is still in midair, pick up that block, and put it down where 2D is going to fall down. It's a very, very fun idea that works relatively well. I think Top D can be a bit cumbersome in terms of being in the right position to place the blocks that you're able to move around. You can also push blocks. But it, it's it's rarely ever asking you to do things at, at two. They're, they're usually not timing based, so you can take your time to, to get things right. But in later levels, they will throw in enemies that will that are drawn to top D. In, in 2D's world, they're just kind of there moving left to right on the various platforms, whether they be pigs or bats flying in the air, and you just have to avoid them as 2D. But uh, as top D, they will be drawn to him and go after them. You also, in later levels, have to avoid some fire shooting boxes there'll be lightning areas that you can't take certain boxes because they'll be destroyed if you walk through them they introduce these teleportation boxes that will teleport 2d but also top d as well between the two boxes but with top d because they can move and manipulate boxes you have to push them up against a wall in order for them to go through it otherwise they're just going to push it or move it around which is a fun little work to that for that particular character and it, it ramps up the difficulty and challenge and, and all that relatively well you can also play co-op if you find the idea of switching back between the two you're by yourself to taxing on your brain I didn't try that out myself but I did finish the game so the final boss was Fun in that that final area they combine the two characters so that you still switch between the two different play styles but it's more of a behind the back perspective for both of them and you can't you have to do things a little bit differently since you can't keep one character at a in this designated spot and then switch and then move another character and, and do stuff that nature. you're always going to be in the same spot when you switch between the two different perspectives but what i really really love about the game i think it's a, a clever game that it works relatively well again but what i love about it is that it has a fantastic suite of accessibility options so if you do decide to check it out and a level gives you difficulty or you're finding it too difficult to play by yourself but you don't want to do it in co-op or you can't play in co-op they have because with the the regular game you will die with one hit it's one hit and you're dead but with the accessibility options you can 
adjust how many lives you have, how many hits you can take, up to five or infinite. You can give 2D infinite midair jumps, so not just a double jump or just a triple jump, as many jumps as you want. You can turn on something called telekinesis, which I don't, I don't even know what that meant. I turned it on to see what it did. I have no idea. No idea what that did. I wish they explained that one. And then also what's on by default are boss checkpoints, which is really nice because each boss takes three hits and after each hit, they'll increase their challenge. And then I think there might've been one other one. But I really, really love that it has this collection of accessibility options that will make it easier for you if you're finding it challenging all the way up to the point of being unlosable. There are certain instances where, and, and, and in certain levels, when you turn on all these accessibility options, you will be able to completely cheat past the entire puzzle of a level. So you'll be able to break certain levels. Quite a few, in fact. But there are also plenty of levels where you still have to do some of the puzzle solving. It'll just make it so that if you make an error or whatever, you aren't going to have to start over from the very beginning, which is nice. And also, this isn't a one and done type of thing. This isn't a, you turn it on, they're on forever, or you have to turn them on at the beginning of a campaign. You can adjust these for each and every single level in the start menu, the pause menu, as you need them. So if you're finding difficulty with a specific level, you can turn on some accessibility options, get through it, and then turn them off until you need them again. So I just wanna highlight that because I think every game should have accessibility options like this to make them essentially playable and beatable by all. Because when you turn on everything, again, you can't lose. There will be still some levels where you have to do a bit of puzzle solving. So if that's giving you a hard time, but you should be able to figure those out with relative ease, especially when you don't have to worry about dying or anything like that. So I really, really like that. And I just wish more games had systems like that. That is again, 2D and Top D. Fun little game. Five worlds of, I think the four worlds are, the first world might have less levels, but two through four at least have 20 levels each in a boss fight. The final area, the fifth has, I think seven or so areas in the boss fight. There is a sixth secret area you unlock by doing some stuff. And you can collect these uh, ladybugs in levels. But I haven't messed around with that. But a, a fun little platformer with some fun puzzles and great accessibility options. Again, 2D and Top D. Icarus and the Prince of Sin is a visual novel slash RPG... It has these very, very light other systems to give you something to do that 
I was excited about. I was so excited about this game when I saw. Oh, I, I I'll get into these card battles, and there's a shop aspect where I'm taking goods and selling them. This could be really fun. A way to make the the visual novel more than just reading, reading, and reading, and occasionally making choices. In Icarus and the Prince of Sin, you have your reading, and then you have these these gameplay tangents. It, it's a story where I can't remember if you inherited this tavern or whatever, this, this shop, but you have a 50,000 debt, and you have 30 days to pay off the debt. And whether or not you're able to do this will be a big factor in whether or not you get a good or bad ending. Over the course of the first week or so, you will be introduced to three characters. And this is a Yaoi-themed visual novel, Boys Love. So keep that in mind. If that's already a turn-off, then skip on to the next game. And you will see some images in there where characters just taking their shirt off because why not? Or... They at least don't show the other angle where uh, one of the, the potential hires busts through the wall and clearly his ass is just pointed directly up to the sky on the other end, but you see his you see him from the face. So you see at the other end. You don't see what your character is seeing on the inside of your little bar. But you know what they're you know what they're seeing, you know what they're thinking. You'd probably think of the same thing. But you will be introduced to these three potential candidates for hire over that first week or so. Then you will pick one. And there are designated points on the calendar where you will get story dumps. And in those story dumps, you're never, ever making dialogue choices, which I... Don't mind that they throw in this RPG stuff, this this battle stuff, very, very light stuff to give you something to do, but not giving you any choice. And it feels like the choose your own adventure nature of a lot of visual novels, not that all of them have that, has been sacrificed in favor of these systems that ultimately aren't all that engaging or interesting. So you have this battle mechanic that is just rock, paper, scissor. You have magic attack, regular attack, or shield, and the shield will counteract the regular attack. Regular attack will counter magic, and magic will counter shield. When you're fighting against the four different types of enemies, depending on where you decide to go on your little adventure for the day, you just do one attack every day, and then you will get resources based on the quality of your battle. But you will see the percentage for each of their their various abilities. The shield, the magic, and the attack. This is completely random. So you will be facing a very... It's a very RNG luck of the draw with each battle. And you can choose to save and reload if you want. Because sometimes they'll be evenly balanced... Uh, between the three, so they all are around the 30 to 35 range, 35% range. Or in some cases, you'll have 
one of the abilities that's clearly the favored at 60 plus percent and you're you're pretty safe on always playing the counter for that so the the challenge of battles varies wildly but it's also just not super fun or engaging to partake in them but you have to do that all the time just to get in some grain so that you can then create beer and then you sell the beer and you can use your money and just save it for the debt you have to pay by the end of the month or to improve your shield so that you can take more damage during battles. There are also quests in the game which you don't pick. They're just there that if you that that you will complete as you are playing the game so there'll be some for killing a certain number of orcs a certain number of demons or killing one of each type of enemy or having a certain amount of supplies on your uh, person at one time or doing a few other specific things using the attack ability 30 times the defense ability 30 times and these will unlock either resources or in some cases you'll unlock the upgrade system but it's all very very light and it doesn't really feel that thought out and it's not fun to do and then the story when you get it is just a bunch of reading with no choices which is very very frustrating I haven't quite completed it but I played about two-thirds of the way through and never felt like I was seeing much new despite playing that much. It, it seemed just the same old, same old, same old, same old. So if you like Yaoi, the thing is, if you're a big fan of visual novels and you're a big fan of Yaoi-themed visual novels specifically, I feel like there have to be boatload of better options out there that may not have the battle system but give you choices in the story and have more variety in potential love interests and have more story because you just have these specific points where you'll get your story bits but it's just it feels light on what is most important in a visual novel, which is the story and story options. But that is again, Icarus and the Prince of Sin. Last up is Shivering Stone, which is a, a Sokoba puzzle game. I just realized, I just found out that these actually have a namer or whatever. And that they may be completely wrong because I don't remember. But it's, it's the kind of game where you are pushing an object of some kind over a button or whatever to unlock or to complete a level in this case it's pushing i believe there's snowballs or whatever on ice or stones on ice shivering stones and this is one where when you push uh, your stones they will slide until they reach some kind of obstacle the problem with this game is you can you can go on YouTube and find a guide to get all 30 or uh, 3,000 achievement points 
or your trophies relatively quickly by completing the 50 levels. Playing it organically, I, I don't like two things. One, when you complete a level, a gate opens up and you, to get to the next level, you walk through it. You can't run, you're just walking at a relatively slow space. And I just wish when you completed a level, just automatically transport me to the next level. Don't make me, if I'm on the opposite end of the air of the level, don't make me walk over to the stupid gate and walk through it. It's just tedious, it's tedious design. But more so than that, moving these stones around, they seem really finicky with getting caught on other stones or other parts of the geometry. It's all top down. It just, it frustrated me almost immediately. I think the third level is where I first ran into that and I thought, this fucking sucks. And it, it makes it seem, and I think I saw some of these criticisms that there is a singular way to, to beat these and once you do F it a little, it's just okay to start over. It just it just seemed very, very finicky in a way I did not enjoy. And sure, I can go find all the puzzle solutions, but I don't want to do that. But I found that if I get it stuck on something and I'm trying to reset it, I'm, I'm better off. I'm better off just starting resetting the complete the level completely over. So it wasn't super fond of that and I didn't I didn't put much more time into it because of that that is shivering stone and that is it for this year episode of the pixelated sausage show unless I go back and watch this here video and I think to myself oh my god I hate the way this looks I hate looking at my face like this nope we're not doing this but this beanie is going to be a, a permanent thing as I'm continuing to let my hair grow and I hate I just hate everything but you know it is what it is Hopefully y'all enjoyed this here new thing that has caught me a little bit off guard. I'm going to blame that on my problem with words this year episode. But that is it. That is all. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you enjoyed this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can support me and my nonsense over at patreon.com slash PXS. In addition to the Patreon, you can find links to the site, the YouTube, the Discord, and so much more over at pxsausage.com. But that is it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope your 2024 is off to a wonderful, wonderful start. But for now, one, I hope the rest of your week is lovely. I hope the rest of your day is very lovely, but I hope the rest of your week is especially lovely, and your weekend is the loveliest. But for now, adios, arrivederci, bye! Oh, I hope I hit the right button right there, bye!